This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round. And get fired in with our exclusive discount code, head to the bar and quote ABZ Pod for a £3 pint of Fosters, a £4 pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Dake. That's any day of the week including match days and if you're with the little ones and are looking for a spot of pre or post match lunch remember under 18s are welcome in the bar with an adult so make a day of it at Siberia come on you Reds Hello and welcome along to episode 156 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and I've got a couple of interim managers with me till the end of the season. That's right, it's Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm glad to be here and I'm really glad for a somewhat more sedate week in AB24. Thank you. Well, fingers crossed. And the Ronnie Jepson to Gavin's Neil Warnock. It's Graham Steele. Graham, how are you, mate? Not sure I'm comfortable with that. No, so not does, like that. So, so does that make you the Craig Sapson of the trifecta? Uh, I think I'm the Steve. Oh, that works for me. Yeah, <laughs> you can be the Craig Sampson. <clears throat> Fine with me. That means I'll be here until there's a nuclear apocalypse, <laughs> and then I'll still be kicking about. Probably. <laughs> Anywho, as Gav says, a, a more regularly structured show this week, and hopefully a little bit of a more sedate one as well. And um, we're going to take, take a look back at our win against Burnley Red Rose. In the Scottish Cup on Saturday, we'll check in with our loanies and the Quines. And then after the break, because frankly, we ain't got time to do two episodes this week, we're going to do a double header preview as Mother will visit Pataudry on Wednesday evening. And then we'll preview the AFC Committee Trust Don's Day Out next week as Hibs visit Pataudry. But first, Aberdeen to Bonnie Rig Rose now, Pataudry Stadium on Saturday, the 10th of February 2024 in the Tenants. Scottish Cup, a Pataudry bow for Neil Warnock and he made five changes to his starting 11 for the first ever match between the Dons and the Rosie Posey. In came Ross Duhan for his debut together with Angus MacDonald, Dante Povara, Duke and Shaden Morris. Out went Roos Gartenman, Baron McGrath and Johnny Hayes. And it was the visitors who made the livelier start, roared on by just under 900 fans making the trip from Midlothian. Certainly one of the more impressive away supports from that part of the world in recent seasons. Otta Delore with the first effort of the game blocked by Jensen and into Duhan's arms. The Dons, though, looked to have settled themselves into the game on 17 minutes. Duke's rampaging run cut short with the ball was recycled quickly by Clarkson who found Morris in the box. His pass found Miofsky and Boyan did what Boyan does with a cute finish between the goalkeeper's legs for his 21st goal of the season. Bonnie Rigg should have levelled things two minutes later. Gray doing well to get past Jensen. His square ball met by Austin Lohr but his finish was cleared off the line by Nicky Devlin. 2-0 on 25 minutes. Clarkson's lofted ball into the box. Nodded then by Povara. Miofsky flashing a first-time volley. Goal words that took a nick off of a Rose defender before flying past Martin. And Ostelor again with a shot from distance that went just past the post before Shinny was booked just on the halftime whistle. Halftime, 2-0 to the Dons. Shinny taking up at halftime. Phillips replacing him and Dante Povara, perhaps surprisingly, 
handed the captain's armband. Miofsky pulling out a decent stop from Martin on 49 minutes from a free kick as Boyan hunted down his first hat-trick for the Dons before a triple swap on 61 minutes. So Duncan, Barron and Sokler introduced for Miofsky, Clarkson and Morris. But to be honest, this was a bit of a nothing second half. Plenty of effort from both sides. Little in effort, uh, little in the way of quality, should I say. Duhan doing well to save well from Gray before Devlin had an effort deflected up and over the ball on 73 minutes. Jensen off for Garten with 15 minutes remaining after Jensen struggled to shake off a knock from earlier in the half. But full-time, 2-0 to Aberdeen the Dons into the quarterfinals on the data front. Possession stats, 59% to 41%. I should point out there were some really misleading ones during the rounds last night by the BBC, which indicated Bonnie Rose had dominated possession Wrong is all I can say on that one there. It was 59-41 in the favour of Aberdeen. Shots 9-8 in favour of the Dons. Shots on target though, 5-6 to six in favour of the visitors. So gents, first things first, before we guess we get into the game itself, huge credit to Bonnie Reg who took up a, a fantastic away following. Um, like I said earlier on, perhaps one of the bigger ones we've seen from that part of the world in recent years. Um, and they also gave a really good account of themselves in this one. They didn't look just to sit in on us. They tried to take the game to us whenever they could. Yeah, shall we just indulge ourselves with the five minutes of patronising tone here? Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, they oh, they gave us a right good scare. Oh, they oh, they played well. Hope they enjoyed their day out. Um, yeah, I mean the support is obviously very admirable. Uh, you don't see that from every club we come up against um, in the league or even in the cups. So yeah, fair play. And you know what? They were positive. They did not come to sit in. They obviously looked at us as a team that concede a lot of goals and thought they could attack that that frailty in our defence and created a number of chances which on another day uh, they could have scored and made it 1-0 to themselves or 1-1 and made it a very nervous afternoon for Aberdeen. Uh, so yeah, all the credit to them. Uh, mentality in game that you sometimes wish that maybe we could apply when we're playing up against, you know, the gruesome twosome with the frailties they have at the back. Yeah, I would pretty much agree with that. Obviously came with a view of trying to win the match which is I was going to say admirable but <clears throat> with some of the goals we concede is sensible actually as a strategy uh, fortunately they didn't uh, and we were able to to get through but I think that, that maybe made the game a bit more exciting you know rather than just us trying to break someone down we're not always very good at that um, so yeah overall decent effort from them but uh, pretty pleased to see us get through Ross Duhan in for Kelry's probably the Biggest news in the starting eleven. Um, either of you surprised to say Neil uh, to see sorry Neil Warnock making the call to drop Bruce? Um, a tiny bit, just because Bruce has been pretty untouchable for the for the time that he's been here. When he's been fit and available, he's always been uh, in in the goal for ourselves. So, I guess you know we haven't really seen anything of Ross doing this season, and by all accounts, you know Kel Bruce has not been in good form. And Robson, Sampson, whoever it is that makes these calls to who gets the gloves on the day, have seen fit to continue playing him. Um, I did hear Warnock afterwards saying that he wanted to just have a look at Ross Dewan, and this felt like a good game to to get a little look. Maybe he was hoping he'd have a bit of a quieter day. But uh, by all accounts, I've not heard anything to suggest that he's done anything to warrant uh, being dropped. But it'll be interesting to see if Warnock sticks with them in perhaps a more, uh, a more competitive fixture. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think... I was surprised mainly because I think there's been probably several cases for Roos to have been dropped over the last well, year or so, and it hasn't happened. Uh, it's always a bit of a gamble to change out your keeper, but then I know we've sort of poked fun Dylan's way in the fact that he's never got a look in when we felt he probably should have had a chance 
because Roos has maybe dropped a few howlers. Um, you know, yeah, the whole point of having the squad is that you you use it, and I suppose you can watch these guys in training. But Warnock's right, you you see the need to see them in a in a match, and you would hope, without being too disrespectful and taking too much of a gamble, that changing out your keeper, you know, isn't going to be the difference between getting through the tie and not. So I didn't really feel like a huge risk, and it was probably worth one worth taking just to see what he, what he looked like. And saying all that, I did have like the major, you know, back when Jimmy would swap out the goalkeepers for the cups, and he'd bring like Bray <laughs> Bossu in for these these cup games. Like, yeah, the only chance of silverware he'd always bring our second first goalkeeper in, and yeah, know, I think on more than one occasion it kind of came back to bite us. But thankfully that didn't happen. And I think, in all fairness, there's every chance that would have happened if Kel had taken his place on the sticks as well. So I'm okay with that. Indeed, for what it's worth, I thought Duham was fine. I mean, Graham, you're right. Nothing really troubled him too much. He didn't have an awful lot to do in the game. Um, but based on that, though, now there's an interesting question about the game on Wednesday night. And then, does Duhan, do you think, retain his position in the starting lineup now? I think it's really difficult to know because, as much as I'm sure Warnock's watched highlights and clips and knows a bit about the players and all that kind of stuff, you know, ultimately he's seen Roos once. And he's seen Duan once, and it's not, they're not directly comparable. I mean, Bruce would have been obviously under a lot more, the team in general would have been under a lot more pressure down there <clears throat> against that lot versus the home tie um, at the weekend. So I can kind of see, I think it's probably worth a gamble Ooh. on keeping him in for Wednesday. I think it's right what Graham just said, because he's obviously seen Duan once in the cup game with Bonnie Reagan, and we've seen Calarus up close and personal once against Rangers, where, let's be fair, Kelrus is culpable for both of the goals. Um, I can imagine afterwards, you know, that sound clip from one of those famous Sheffield United videos, I assume he's saying to Kel, you know, get in bath, son. Makes me sick looking at you. So um, perhaps, you know, there's, I mean, like Graham said, the other squad's there. You've got to assume that Craig Sampson's, you know, a pivotal part in goalkeeping recruitment. Um He's obviously been a big fan of Kelrus as well, so I'm sure he'll have his his say on that. Uh, it'll be a big call, certainly for the way the rest of the season goes, and I'm interested to see how he how he picks it. I I suspect Kel will come back in personally. We lined up in what was kind of a very fluid four one four one at times, looked like a bit like a four three three or a four two three one. It kind of really depended on the situation. We saw Povara getting forward quite a bit to help support Miofsky. Um, as well, and that's obviously where the second goal comes from. But um, it was certainly a novelty, if nothing else, and, and interesting to watch us line up with some genuine attempts to try and some, bring some width into the equation. Yeah, it's just a shame that uh, who the who the wide players are. What's width? <laughs> You've forgotten all about <laughs> it. Not not to go down this rabbit hole once again, but you know when you see Warnock come in and he says he's going to bring players you know, in from from out of the wilderness, Aberdeen. Maybe if Vinny was around, that would be interesting to see. We'll talk about Vinny a bit more later on, um, again, when we look at Lone Watch. But um, yeah, on Povara, we'll come back to talk about some of the guys who came in. Povara, I thought he actually had a decent game. It's kind of very difficult sometimes to judge in, in these games in particular. Um, but I thought he did fine. And then perhaps some clever, cute man management by Warnock and handing him the armband at halftime when he decided to take Shinny off. Presumably just to avoid any sort of daft situation where Shinny gets himself sent off, maybe just to rest him a bit. But when Povara came back out again, you saw a player who kind of came out second half with his kind of, you know, chest puffed out, shoulders back. It looked like he was relishing the the task of being given the captain's armband. I know it's just, you know, a lot of people looking at it, it's just a symbolic thing, but it's a big, um, 
it's a big signal to a player like Povar, isn't it, to be given that responsibility and handed that? I think so. I mean, obviously you've got left in that second half, you've got Nicky Devlin, who's been a captain of a club in, in our league. Um, Angus McDonald got the captain's armband against Frankfurt, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So there were, you know, logical choices to be made. I know Neil Warnock said afterwards that it was just a case of, you know, Paul Vara was the closest person to him or whatever. And that's why he got it. But I don't think Neil Warnock makes calls like that. I think it is with a, there's a message behind what he's doing there. And he did say in the lead up to the game that shit is crucial because we don't have really many leaders uh, besides him. And yeah, perhaps I'm, I might be wrong this, but I think I remember Paul Vara wearing the armband for the college team that he played for in the States when we were signing him and you saw those videos. So it's maybe something he's got experience of doing. Warnock's seen that side of him and it's an interesting, interesting play by Neil Warnock. And I think Polvara could potentially in years to come be someone who would thrive with that kind of responsibility. I think there's something to it. I, I think still in this country, the captain the captaincy means something. You know, we've, <clears throat> you maybe see other leagues or you've had managers from other countries and it's just, ah, it's this guy it doesn't really matter but I think it still holds a meaning to players here and certainly to the fans I mean if the armband gets dished around to just no marks or somebody who's just arrived at the club people tend to get a bit pissed off when we take Tony Stewart for example he unwittingly is all already kind of up against it when he gets given the captaincy and if he turns out to be playing 89 out of 10 performances every week that's fine people are on board with that but there's quite a big deal to hand out the captaincies and I think with Warnock and his experience I imagine through his teams, he'll have probably had, you know, he'll have sought out the particular type of player, that sort of leadership that he wants. I imagine that's the kind of thing he's looking for on the pitch. So I think, yeah, it's fine saying it was just the closest guy, but I think there's a little bit more to it than that. I don't think he would be I don't believe that, that reckless with it. I don't believe for a minute that that's just that, oh, he was the nearest boy to me, because as Gav says, that's the type of thing I think Warner would actually take quite seriously and... I think it's a level of cuteness about him from a man management perspective as well and the way he plays with the media there. I think he's deliberately given it to Povara. I mean, there's this idea about, oh, they were all in the toilet, so it's like, here, you just take it. I mean, you could just wait for somebody to wash their hands after they've done a piss, presumably. <laughs> um, if, um, you know, you hear the people that have worked with Neil Warnock or, you know, worked against him in close quarters, you know, man management is what they say is his biggest strength. And I generally think that he'll see something in Danny Polvara, and I can see it as well, just in terms of, you know, the strength of character of the guy to come over to this country, um, deal with, you know, not things not working out as any of us had intended in the first 18 months and still having the strength of character coming back and become a critical member of the squad this year. And I can imagine, like, his teammates, you know, endorsing that you know and kind of gravitating around him he seems like a really good character so yeah i'm interested to see you know if this is something that develops further a little bit down the road talk about man management and people coming in from the cold and maybe being given an opportunity um under the new regime it felt like a massive opportunity for shaden morris on saturday to kind of really now show us what he can do um Given a start, he's had very few of them. Certainly, he's had very few of them of what you would class as being his natural position um, that we were led to believe when he signed. Um, there's a bit about Morris as well that I think historically with Warnock teams, you could see that Warnock would like a player of the kind of mold of Morris, a, a fast paced winger who can hopefully try and take on a player and you know get to the byline and throw crosses in. But Morris never really grasped that opportunity, I don't think, on Saturday. Never. <laughs> He's got the assist for Bojan's opener, but too often was just like too hesitant on the ball. 
bit too slow to react sometimes. I don't think he Never. works hard enough going backwards. Didn't really take his chance, did he, Gav? He's rubbish. He's absolutely murder. I mean, yeah. I don't have anything else to say. I don't know. He gets he gets a lot of support. People always want to see Shaden Morris get a run on the team. And anytime I've seen him, he just looks absolutely rubbish. Um, I can't imagine this performance will have done anything to earn him a run of, a run of games in the team, in the league. Um, I suspect that Johnny Hayes will come back into the fold if we're going to keep it this kind of shape. And maybe Duke will swap switch over to the right side or Ryan Duncan might get a shout. Uh, two, two more years of Shaden Morris as well, by the way. Graham, is there anything positive to be said about Shade Morris? I think he's maybe just a player who needs a little bit of game time and some confidence. <laughs> An arm around the shoulder, yeah. I well, guess that's just a run of games. You yeah. know, it's, it's easy to criticise when not played that often and maybe he's feeling the pressure. I don't know how the players approach the game, but clearly everyone must have known that it's basically season over if you get booted out. <clears throat> so there is a bit of added pressure if you're not playing that often and you're maybe not feeling particularly confident what do you do take it on take a or take a player on you lose it maybe we can see do they create a chance from it you're already under pressure so i think uh maybe we just need to bide our time with shaden i won't be as harsh as gavin i just think that you know if you look at shaden morris he's 22 years old now he's played i think less than 50 games in his career and, you know, he's not spent all that time in Aberdeen. He spent that in Fleetwood Town being a reserve player. And there's possibly a reason why. And for me, yeah, I just think, again, you know, I think that there's a, there's a more talented footballer in our squad, not currently at the club, who's not getting the same level of opportunities than as Shaden is. And that upsets me. Yesterday was the first time I've really had a chance to watch Morris up close and personal because we were uh, we moved tickets yesterday because we took our boys to the game. Um, so we were in the kind of main stand. And we were quite fortunate in terms of our view. First half, we were you know two or three rows from front, and Morris was operating pretty much right in front of us the entirety of that first half. And I just thought just really hesitant on the ball and just not willing to kind of take on his man with the kind of level of desire and belief that you kind of would expect it's a game yes as well I know Graham you're saying about the pressure but at the same time for Morris it's an opportunity to play against lower league opposition you know he should theoretically have you know these kind of fullbacks on toast but you just never saw it and I wonder if he was one of the players that Warnock talked about being a little bit disappointed in performance in that uh, during the game I mean I know Warnock also highlighted the substitutes about how he didn't think that the subs that came on, and, and I presume he's aiming that at the, the triple switch, which was uh, Sokler, Barron, and Duncan. Um, I imagine that there was a few performances in there that don't think would impress him. I'd be surprised if Morris's was one of them he thought was good enough yesterday. Yeah, that, that's probably fair. But then, like before you make your mind up about someone, you should give him a chance. Yeah, So absolutely. if he's given him that chance, and you're right, and he's not, he's not taking the opportunity, <clears throat> then maybe that means he's at the back of the queue uh, when it comes to getting game time is always that kind of difficult when you might look and think he's not had a great game why has he played him but I guess he's we're, we're kind of we're almost kind of back to pre-season type setup where you've got just people trying to get a view on players and see if they're good bad or indifferent and what they can and can't do um, and we might have to suffer that for the next couple of weeks where we might see some players that we thought we'd maybe seen the back of for the season because we weren't convinced they might come back into the fold. And you never know, some people might react and turn it around and it might work. Uh, and others might just, yeah, might just prove that they're maybe not up to the standards that are required, really. 
by all means, I like the fact that Warnock's giving people a chance, the guys that have been on the fringes uh, permanently for the last six months, uh, been playing very infrequently. But, I mean, I just think with Shaden Morris that, you know, there's there's he, there's Barry Robson, Jim Goodwin, any number of managers he's had at Fleetwood Town have not seen it to give him a run on a consistent basis. And I think there's reason for it. And I just don't think he's anywhere near the level we need. Similarly for Duke yesterday, I thought, there were kind of flashes of the old Duke on show, but too often, again, kind of holding on to the ball a little bit too long, looking for non-existent fouls, kind of following over a little bit too easily, getting frustrated off the back of that, and then disappearing for large chunks of the game. Again, Duke feels like a guy that I think we've all been looking at, hoping he could benefit from perhaps Warwick's style of man management, get the you know get the arm around them and give him a wee boost again, but certainly wasn't seeing it yesterday. His regression is deeply concerning now from last season um i think we've all thought that maybe he was just fed up with the style of football and maybe it's still an element of that but i do wonder if he just thought if the rumor and innuendo is to be believed and he missed the game with um uh the last game of january at home dundee. His name dundee if he missed that on account of that he went to robson and said i've got a move i want to go i'm not playing today if he's just to say he wants to go and this six months i think graham talked about this um Last week, when we talked about Neil Warnock, some guys, his man management style might not make any difference if they decide they want to go. And if Duke's in that boat, then, yeah, it'll be really disappointing. Um, it's just that thing, isn't it? The speed, his acceleration seems to have gone, which is really strange. Um, the ability to just hold people off, uh, get past players without really any obvious kind of trickery or that, just this innate ability to, to glide past players and create chances. And again, you would just think that home, playing it wide against a part-time team, that would be the perfect opportunity to build a lot of confidence in him. And like you say, it just doesn't really appear to be there. Um, and it's leaving us, you know, short of options up front, certainly, both wide and up front. And yeah, very concerning. And then you have to consider the fact that we, I guess our business plan was to give him a platform and sell him for big money. Right now, that ain't going to happen with his plan. And that's in a way the biggest concern, isn't it, Graham? Is just the fact that, you know, <laughs> this time last season, we were just a way to come into the the spring or the summer of Duke as it was. And we were all wary, I think, over the summer period about being able to keep a hold of him and hoping we could get another at least six months to get through the European stages, etc. And and then we'd be looking at hopefully turn some serious cash out of Duke. Um, right at this moment in time... <sighs> seems like a real struggle for whether we'll get in decent money at all from come the summer at this rate. It's fine. Boyan scoring his goals and he'll take his transfer fee as well. <laughs> but that's... Uh, no, we, uh, could, we, could, it, we should be double bubble here. You know, we should be really... No, I know. It's, I suppose the one thing I will say without being totally soft and it's probably through what we've learnt through doing this for the last few seasons and speaking to people is you never really know what's going on behind the scenes. So you see him on a Saturday... He's, like, he's not playing very well, or he's not interested. In what's going on? There may or may not. Well, you know, there might be something else behind the scenes that's impacting him. But all you can see is the performances are not. Not only are they actually not really good enough for what we need at Aberdeen. They're nowhere near the levels that we've seen from him. And it is even setting aside the financial piece and what you may or may not have gotten transfer fee if you'd kept on. Um, on that sort of path that he was on with the, the way he'd been playing, it's, it is worrying. And I think Gav's right, just puts pressure. Maybe it doesn't put pressure on Boyan as such because he's maybe not feeling it. And well, he's clearly not feeling it because he's playing 
well and he's scoring. But if something happens to him, uh, we are fucked. Uh, yeah. Whereas <laughs> probably six months ago, you know, had that period where they almost sort of crossed over at the halfway point of the season where maybe yeah. Boyan's goals dried up a little bit, but Duke was scoring. But you kind of felt, well, if they're both there, one of them's probably going to score or assist each other. You know, it was, I didn't really feel like totally exposed. Whereas now, uh, if Miofsky, yeah, if Miofsky, um goes on a poor run of form, injured, suspended, uh, that's pretty much going to derail our season. Because as much as I, I actually have quite liked Chocolate in the games I've seen him in, he, he's clearly not going to come in and replace, just pick up where Miofsky left off because Miofsky seems to just be that couple of steps above everyone else. It's very hard to believe that six months ago we were all debating who was the better player yeah. and who'd go uh, and yeah, have the better yeah. career. Um, and I think the thing about that is that games like Duke did come and became the main man and was getting more goals than Boyan, but the difference there is Miofsky was still contributing to the team and was involved, was pivotal in a number of Duke's goals. Whereas now, you know, Duke can be very much like a passenger and just puts all the the burden and responsibility on Miofsky's shoulders. I like when Gary's in your team at fives, actually, isn't it? You said it, not me. Keep it Sorry, guy, that was a cheap silent. shot. That was I mean, a cheap shot. I might have more later on. We'll see how it goes. That's fine. That's okay. That's no problem. Um, on Miofsky, I don't think there's much else we could really talk about. I feel like every week we'll just talk about how good he is. I mean, it's another two. The second goal was a little bit fortunate. It takes the nick off of the defender to fight it in, but it's a, it's a good strike on the volley with the left foot anyway. And then the first goal was just like, just shows you everything about me. Obviously, doesn't at the moment. Like he's scoring all sorts of different goals at the moment. The first one's a really cute little finish. Um, you know, you look at the goals he has scored in recent weeks. Now, you know, the the, the goal against Celtics a fantastic goal. The goal against uh, Sevco Ibrox is a really good calm finish given the circumstances. Okay, it didn't count, but the goal he scores against Hearts at Tynecastle is phenomenal. He's just, I mean, Warnock saying <laughs> I did enjoy Warnock trying to be like, oh, I can make him a better player. All right, Neil, settle down. But um, he's definitely on course here for breaking the 30-goal barrier, providing something daft doesn't happen to him, which for a team who creates so little as we do is nothing short of ridiculous. Yeah, it's very impressive. And I think you're right. What makes him probably more valuable to the team and harder to play against is the variety of goals. So you, you know, there's not really one thing you can obviously do to stop him scoring. And I think even like the... The one against uh, Rangers, I feel it's like a, that's him improving and learning that basically just hassle people, you know. So he's got that sort of element, yeah. or starting to bring that element to his game as well. To the obviously the ones where it's just pure skill, or he's in the right place at the right time. I think the variety is what's most impressive, um, and that must make him difficult. That must make him difficult to play against. But I think that again, it just highlights the. The importance to the team because he's scoring all different so it's not like he's um I don't know how to phrase it say he's just it's a header after header and we just need to get good quality into the box you think well okay maybe you can take him out we've got good wingers get balls in the box we don't have anything that there's so many if you look back over the last couple of weeks where I feel like <clears throat> Celtic one's a good example it's a great pass but then all the rest of that is just him all on his own and I'm not just don't see where we would replace that Oh, it'd be so difficult. I mean, I I never expected that on this show or in Scottish show we'd have a little bit of a little a messy Ronaldo situation of, you know, <laughs> if we were a heart sporting podcast, we'd be saying Shanklin's the best striker in the league. We're an Aberdeen podcast, so we're always saying Miofsky's the best. Miofsky scores twice yesterday, Shanklin scores twice today. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, Miofsky's all-round game and the development, and I think Graham's that spot on there with the, the goals he's scoring, the different kinds of goals, I think to the goal against Ross County up at Dingwall, where he gets the ball on the halfway line, knocks it past the defender and you know beats him for pace. That's not a goal he scores when he first comes to Aberdeen. Yeah. And his all-in game just gets better and better with every with every passing week. And yeah, we're just lucky to have him. And yeah, I mean, you know, the, I feel like the clock's, you know, winding down on Miofsky at Aberdeen. Uh, so yeah, by all means, enjoy him while he's still here. Yeah, there is, of course, absolutely no debate on this one. Miofsky's clearly the better striker than Shankland. Um, for Miofsky to be in touching distance the number of goals Shankland scored this season, given the lack of chances we give him, is incredible. I mean, Hearts create chances in fairness to them so it's no surprise that Shankland is scoring goals this season um but Miofsky's ceiling is much higher as well that's the thing with the Miofsky pieces oh absolutely someone correctly pointed out today that uh Lawrence Shankland is 28 and the biggest club he's ever played for is Aberdeen uh Miofsky's 24 and he'll go and play in Serie A or La Liga next uh, the back line yesterday had a bit of a rough one in particular Jensen up against Osad Delor I thought which was really disappointing because Jensen and and Gartman had looked impressed by Ibrox in midweek so it's like such a kind of like how would you go from that to being bullied and and really being threatened a little bit by with again no disrespect to League 2 side it's a little bit concerning I don't know if that's just a little bit of complacency dropping in or you know you just drop off a little bit you get an opposition who really raised their levels a little bit but we were fortunate yesterday to get away without uh, uh without conceding at least one goal. Um, I'd love to agree that was you know surprising, but I mean this is kind of the story of Richard Jensen since he's been at Aberdeen. Um, game to game, it's like watching a slightly different player. Um, hard to believe again, you know, against a part-time side that this is an international player we're talking about. Uh, just looking quite nervous, and some of his decision making uh, leaves a lot to be desired. And obviously, you know, the the main highlight from that would be the. When he tries to run the ball to play and then tries to hit up the line and he just hits off a Bonnie Rig player and next thing you know, Nicky Devlin's clearing one off the line for us. Um yeah, just he's been very inconsistent and I've still I still can't even make my mind up on him, uh, if he's any good. But um yeah, I think just all around you know, you'd expect a team like ourselves with the the level of experience, international experience, uh that we're full time. Very well remunerated, you know, third or fourth biggest budget in the league, depending on who you believe. Uh, we should be handling this game with a far greater deal of comfort than we than we ended up doing. On um, it just a bit of a weird one. It just really felt like a bit of a non-event of a game. This one, Graham Bonnie Red kind of threatened, and if it's not for that stop by Devlin that we just spoke about there, you know, they easily should have scored at least once. But it also felt like we never really got out of third gear all game. Um, that must be maybe a little bit of a concern for Warnock, though that, that intensity level just wasn't there yesterday. Super Neil Warnock's not got us flying yet. Not yet, no. Wow. I think that's a fair point. Like from <clears throat> Personally, uh, we just had to win it. It was absolutely crucial to win it, and we did it. So I'm not too, not too fussed, but I do take your point. I mean, home game New against manager. a team, many divisions lower, you really would have expected us to have put on more of a sustained performance. Now, whether that's <clears throat> 60, 70 minutes and then, you know, you're home and hosed and sort of fine, we'll just not take any chances with our better players, take them off and maybe the, the game kind of falls into a bit of a training match after that. That's, you know, that, that's fine. I think most people would accept that. But yeah, I don't know if it's worrying 
Because um, actually, if you look across, just thinking back, you know, over the last few seasons where we've played teams lower down, there's not usually the pace things that you would expect. No, we we tend to be. We tend, to, you know, we kind of get through them. Yeah, and I know what you mean. There's not necessarily maybe the enjoyment you would expect in the stands because you would. I don't. There's obviously there's not like an equation for calculating how many goals you should score against the team many divisions below. Shitloads. But yeah, you would expect it to be, yeah. we'd be all over them. And if it'd come out of it, you know, if it was 2-0, you think, oh, their keepers had an absolute, you know, game of his life. The defence was brilliant and we only got two. And it wasn't really like that. It was, yeah, two going on, 2-1. Two. Maybe they could have had <laughs> something out of it. Um, but at the end of the day, job done. I think that that is, that is all that really matters um and into the next round exactly um on neil warnock it's still obviously very early to tell whether this will or won't work out to be a a decent short-term appointment or not this week though has been a little bit of a microcosm of our season so far we put in a decent effort on tuesday although never really looked like getting much out of the game until the final 10 minutes and then on saturday well it was a bit uninspiring is probably the politest way to put it AFC and uninspiring. Maybe that mm. should have been on there. <laughs> the 10 point PowerPoint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most uninspiring team in the league. Yeah. Again, they never um, said top 100 at what? True, true. No, I, I I know what you mean. And it's difficult to know if that's just, is that just the way it's going to be to the end of the season as we sort of limp through? Or is he just trying to figure out what would his best team be and what sort of shape would he utilise them in? So again, it's kind of like where I said earlier, it's almost like this pre-season, the season, the season's clearly up and running and approaching the business end of the season. But we find ourselves in a situation where he is effectively trying to figure out on the job. And he doesn't have a lot of time to try and figure this out. No, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. It needs to, if it's going to click for him, it has to click very shortly um, you know we've got the, that important cup game as we're in the next round coming up and then the league games are running out if we're going to salvage the season so Hero doesn't have very long to get us going um, and I guess time will tell if he can On the Warnock piece Gav I mean obviously a lot of the a lot of the things we were told that would be a positive about him being here would be especially in the man management piece and we've, we've touched on that a little bit earlier on but some interesting um, comments from Warnock and the lead up to the game in terms of just, you know, saying there were no leaders in the dressing room apart from yeah. Shinny. Um, kind of had a right dig about the subs yesterday. An interesting way to go about this, just given he's only here for four months and he really needs to get the players buying into him and reacting quickly. Um, if it wasn't Neil Warnock, I'd probably agree that's surprising, but he's obviously quite a abrasive and uh, a confrontational character. Um, he, I trust, feels that this is a way to get a reaction out of maybe these guys. And, the, and as I said, like, he's continued coaching up until, you know, this season with Huddersfield, so he's, he should know what the modern player is like. It's not like he's been out of the game and will be surprised that maybe uh, the old boot up the arse doesn't work quite so well. Um, I, I was convinced you were going to talk about the comments regarding, you know, we'd like to get into the deeper, into the cups so we could play the big boys again. Uh, I'd actually completely forgot about that. So yeah, also an interesting 
way to look at things. I will take that as being someone that, so what, Warnock, up until now, you know, in England, will have coached, generally speaking, you know, some of the the smaller teams in his league. Uh, he's obviously never managed, like, a proper, like, big side. He's always been an underdog, I guess, so maybe that's just a second nature thing coming through, but um, maybe someone needs to have a word that he is, you know, the manager of the third biggest club in Scotland right now, so, you know, you're at the big boys. This is where the big boys play, Neil. Thank you very much. Um, WCW. <laughs> hey, hey, I mean, he. I'm sure. I, I, I mean, I'm sure he knows that the, this could potentially be his last job, and he wants to go out on a high, and he wants to win the Scottish Cup, and you know, prove people wrong that you know people had a lot of doubts about him from outside Aberdeen, uh, particularly in the media. And it's interesting, and we'll see how it plays out. Uh, these these comments, and if that gets is able to. Uh, you know, light a light a light a match under the shade and morrises of this world. Probably not. I love you said about he's potentially some comments from the media were like Graham. <laughs> uh Graham. Graham, yeah. <laughs> Graham and Kenny Miller, those best buds. Yeah. No, it, it's I think we're all probably agreed on this one. It's it's one of those appointments that's just a bit like, okay, well, I guess this is what we're doing now, and let's just see how this works out. Um Certainly a very interesting week anyway, that's for sure. I don't think we're going to have much in the way of quiet weeks when we look to back on uh, Neil Warren at press conferences. I'm pretty sure that'll be the case. Oh, I um, can't wait for the build-up to the Kilmarnock game. <laughs> I've just watched the Battle of Bramall Lane again. Oh, I forgot McInnes before, is in before that. Before we record, it's McInnes. So when when Sheffield make the double sub and your man two-foots someone... and yeah, then two-foots the other, No, he doesn't even... That thing, your man two-foots a guy called Andy Johnson, and then the boy who headbutts a West Brom player, Sufo, headbutts McInnes. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Uh, Jake, Jake will be reminding him about that. Quite possibly. Um, at the end of the day, Graham, you touched on it there a minute ago. As uninspiring a performance as it was on Saturday, the main thing in the Cups and, you know, God knows we've had enough recent experience of this just 12 months ago. Um, the most important thing is just simply... Who was that getting, against, by the way? I can never remember. I wish somebody would remind me who that was against. Um, it is just all about getting it the next round. We're there. We're in the quarterfinals. Um, it's Derek McInnes's Kilmarnock who do await us at Patodra on the weekend of the 9th of March. I mean, as draws go, it is what it is. It could have been a lot worse. Given the teams that are left in the competition, there's only one team from outside the Premiership left. Obviously, Greenock Morton, who dispatched Motherwell on Friday night. Other than drawing Livy at home, it's about as good as you could hope for. Yeah, it's pretty boring, but it's a home it's, tie. It is very dull, but it's a home tie and it's a potential to get through. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all that can be said. Yeah, uh, but in goodness knows what time we'll get, actually, because they're televised, aren't they? I don't think all the quarters will be televised, will they? They might be, actually. I thought they were. one game not be? Will one maybe miss out? This one. Know. No, I'm sure I, I... I definitely saw somewhere that they were going if, to be televised. If there was one that you would miss, it would be this one. Hibs Rangers will be televised. Celtic Livy will be, definitely. And if you were BBC, who probably have the rights to this, the odd game, I would pick Morton Hearts. Yeah. I just I definitely read that they were all televised. Maybe, maybe all that are. was just someone uh, I dread things speculating. Well, for, but at for, least we don't have to travel for the nonsense kickoff time. For karma purposes, it should be a twelve it should be an eleven forty five kickoff on the Sunday. Ah, fuck it, eight in the morning. <laughs> and every pub in Aberdeen, disconnect your pipes. 
Yeah. Like, cancel your Sky subscriptions. And but put your Sky banners up. But continue to, but yeah, continue so to advertise the fact you run Sky and serve certain pints. So this is a long-running be in collective bonnets on this show never mind if you don't have the context of this you're never going to know anyway let's quickly wrap up the Bonnery game man of the match we'll just go sponsor special Boyamiowski. sponsor special works for me good Boy, Boyan thank you there we go excellent lovely stuff let's move on latest news from AB24 this week so of course the appointment of our new head of recruitment we're on our third head of recruitment boys as well in the time we've been doing this show Chris Badlin getting back in the bloody game after some time out. Uh, he was most recently at Blackpool as their sporting director, where he lasted like three to four months and then just quit in kind of slightly mysterious circumstances. So I don't really know what that's that was. That's always encouraging. It is indeed. Um, I mean, from, pre- what I hear, from what I hear about Blackpool, I can understand why. Possibly. It also sounds like he got the name of a pub wrong. Like there's like a famous pub on like the corner of the ground or some shit and it's like really famous and he called it the wrong name in an interview and then the Blackpool fans just like probably piled in on him off that. So I don't know if that was the so deal. He's been it. chased out of Blackpool by a big mob with pitchforks and torches. Yeah, I was I was waiting to say, I mean, if he thinks that was bad, just wait until he sees what Aberdeen Twitter has in store for him at some point. Um, <laughs> he was previously head of recruitment at Coventry City, uh, had similar roles at Wolves and Norwich City as well. Uh, he's obviously the replacement for uh, Jordan Miles, who had long been trailed to be departing for Leeds after being in the hot seat for what, like five months or something. I don't know. Uh, Jordan, how we hardly knew you. Exactly. At least, though, at least with Jordan Miles and now with Chris Badlan, we've seen pictures of them. This is true. Darren Mowbray, I still don't know if he exists or not. No pictures at all about him on the Southampton website either. So just saying. Anyway, um, an AI head of recruitment could be, could indeed be. Uh, Badlin's got a decent track record, to be fair to me, Coventry, Wolves, and Norwich. Uh, responsible for picking up players for you know relatively small amounts of cash, turn them into either long term fixtures at those clubs or being spun off promptly. He wasn't Norwich when they picked up Kenny McLean from ourselves, so he um, knows a player, he certainly knows a player or two. I guess the most pertinent or recent example of what he's done is Victor. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pronounce this horrendously wrong, I'm gonna. Gokarez, I think is how it's correctly pronounced. I looked up earlier on and I can't remember. Um, he was signed from Brighton in 2021 to Coventry City before he was sold to Sporting uh, last summer for 20 million euros plus 4 million of bonuses and sell-ons. So that just shows you the kind of, I guess, hopefully the kind of player that he can identify and pick up. Hopefully he can bring on that type of success and hopefully he'll be a little bit longer in the job than his last two predecessors, gents. Yeah, I mean, having not really known much at all about Dan Mobley or um, Jordan Miles before they came in, um, it's nice to be able to actually look at, at Chris Badlin and be able to actually relate to his record, um, almost ourselves being Norwich City fans. I mean, at the time he was there, he signed a number of players who were instrumental in Norwich City going up at least the first time under Daniel Farca and the work he's done at Wolves prior to that was admirable and then he's done a very good job at Coventry um you know they've had to be very smart in their recruitment to probably perform above themselves and rise through the leagues and even you know what were they in the they were in the playoff final last year weren't they uh against Luton Town so that's that's good stuff so it seems like he's he knows what he's doing um Hopefully, it's a um, good start. 
and and hopefully i mean he did also sign grant hanley for real money so that's you know in the back of my mind but uh, no i'm excited about this we all um, make mistakes uh, exactly Graham, exactly and grant's still there performing and captaining like a motherfucker um yeah hopefully this is just another another step in his career and like you say we'll be able to actually attribute some work to him unlike uh, the last guy on long watch Quickly, Kieran Nguyenia back in the squad, came off the bench for the final three minutes as Park Thistle squandered a 2-0 lead. Jesus Christ, Park Thistle, what is going on with you to crash out of the Scottish Cup by three goals to two against Livingston at Firhill? Have you seen Joel Newbley's second goal, though? I've only seen the winning goal. Oh, Newbley's the equaliser. Has the ball wide on the touchline, plays a 1-2 shinny, meanders his way in, and then just toe bashes one straight off the, like, the junction between corner and post. Like, Sounds like a game feel special like this. Absolutely beautiful. You don't see enough toe bashes in the modern game at all. It's just a fucking great goal. Um, but Park Thistle, whoa, what are you doing? Which, what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, um, I guess it wouldn't matter for them. They were having a way tie at Parkhead to look forward to as it was, or probably a way to Ibro. So I guess, who cares? Oh, well, I mean, for a team like Park, I think they're uh, pretty uh, stumped for the old. So that wouldn't have been a bad yeah. thing, actually. Jink that um, Davy Martindale will shut the fuck up now about like lack of cash and finances at Livingston. Now they're in the quarterfinals and they'll get a nice wee payday. That's we've moved on from that now. No one wants to sign for them. Ah, okay, I wonder why. Um, with that positivity <laughs> emanating from the manager's room. Anywho, let's move on. Alfie Bavage at Kelty Hearts played the full 90 minutes, couldn't match his exploits of the previous week as Kelty drew 0 0 with Queen of the South in League One. Obviously, all that PlayStation work doing well for Marvin Bartley's outfit this week. Um, Finlay Marshall, Edinburgh City, played the full 90 as Edinburgh City's woes continued. They were humped 3-0 at Montrose in League One. Blair McKenzie at Elgin City, an unused sub as Elgin won 2-1 away at the Spartans. Some trip for Elgin to Rome. Eh? Never mind. Uh, Dylan Lobbin, an unused sub as Forford drew 2-2 with Dumbarton. I love the fact the two of you just like, you're smirking at me with that. Laughing at you, not with yeah, you. I thought so. have, I, have, have I even got that right? Is, is the Spartans in Rome is that a right ref? Is that a correct reference? If you don't I'm, understand I'm, the joke and have to explain it, it's not a, it's not a very know, good joke. Is it? I know. I've, I never, after, I've never seen the movie Three Hundred. I just realised after doing it, I was like, "Does that even make any sense?" I don't know. Probably not. Much like the rest of the show. Alfie Stewart at Peterhead. No game for them this weekend. Uh, Aaron Reed and Adam Emsley for Martin. Adam Emsley signed a new deal during the week with Dons, and then both he and Reed retained their place in the starting lineup for the visit of the Brock to New Lodge Park. A late Willie West goal saw Fraser Bristol sneaking a point in a Desmond. <laughs> is there something fun in there, Gav? You just like the name Willie West. Just the name Willie West has uh, tickled me. What can I say? I used to work with Willie. He's a good lad. Anyway, let's move on. Finley Murray. At Tura United, another start another 90 minutes. Tura put four past Huntley without reply in the Highland League. Kevin Hanrati, no place in the matchday squad again for Hanrati's Bucky eventually ran out. 3-1 winners in what was a classified home game with Rothis that was actually played in Banff. There's one for the pub quiz. Stat was in the future. Uh, Brendan Hamilton at Banks of D. Second, second consecutive start for Hamilton as the D ran out. 4-1 winners at home to Devon and Vale. They're up to second in the table now. Did I call Banks of D to win the Highland League this year? At the start of the season? I think I did. I think that is... Possible, yes. Yeah, there we go. Come on, the D. And we also appear to be one of the very few Aberdeen FC related Twitter accounts that haven't been blocked by Banks of D on Twitter. So I have. Have you? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. What have you done, Gav? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> but my uh, yes, my personal account has been blocked by Banks of D. Oh, Gav, you're just such a thug. Massive troll. 
Exactly. Um, they, also, just... they also heard me predict Brecon at the beginning of the season. Well, Brecon do still top the table, so I guess. Well, the facts don't lie. Let's wait and May see spell disaster for Baxity. <laughs> Jaden Richardson at Colchester United played the full 90 minutes as Colchester were beaten 1-0 at Harrogate Town, and Harrogate Town were led to that one by which former Don's alumni, gents, without looking it up? I have no idea, but I feel like this has come up before. No, I think this is quite new. Dead ear is always good on these types of things. Absolutely. <laughs> What's wrong uh, with Eater are we talking about? Give us a... Yeah. Ah, 2016. 2015 through 17, kind of, you know. Hmm. Was he any good? <laughs> What's our position? Uh, oh, interesting question, because it depends on where Derek wants to play him. Ah, so U- basically Utility. Anyone. Greg Halford. <laughs> Greg Halford came up um, this week. He Yeah, he was in the He's in media... The, is he not in the Warwick video I spotted him? A very, very young Greg Halford is in yeah, the background. Yeah, he might be. Well, he might have been because he was one of the, I don't know, in the gossip column or the sound bites. Yes, yes. And it was like for, but I don't think they, it's about one of the, you know, you're you're really bad if people don't use ace. Everyone's yeah. a former ace, but Greg Halford was just like former arena player. Former Rotherham player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, put me out of my misery. Come on, Gav. He played whatever Derek Mays wanted to play him. Well, no, I, I don't, he just, Played in a position that I don't think it was actually his position, but McInnes insisted on playing there. Ah, oh, I mean that that doesn't rule that rules a lot of people out. Um, well, Greg uh, shoots uh, Dick on it now, so that rules that one out. <laughs> 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 I, I, can't, I honestly can't think at all. Um, yeah, pass. Okay. We'll give you one clue. He scored the last time Aberdeen won at Tynecastle. Oh, Anthony O'Connor. Anthony O'Connor. There we, there go. we go. There we go. There we go. Is he player manager? He's still playing this season. Isn't he? No, he's just a player. I think he's captain, though. That's why I said led by. Oh, I thought you meant managed by. No, oh, no. As if anyone's given that kind of joke in a manager's position. <laughs> I mean, you say Episode that now. 200 of the ABZ football podcast. Two, three years. Wait, wait until the summer. <laughs> <laughs> he's been doing his badges, and he really impresses <laughs> in an interview. He's great with the fans. Um, <laughs> right, anyway, let's move on. Uh, Anthony Stewart. MK Don's big Anthony's still missing in action. I don't know if there needs to be like a kind of missing person's appeal put out for Anthony Stewart at this moment. <laughs> um, um, no, having watched him for six months, I could probably figure out why he's not featuring. Um, <laughs> uh, the MK Don's beat Atkinson 2 1 in League Two. I, should we just scratch Anthony Stewart off of the loan watch thing now? Because let's be honest, he ain't com- he's, his contract's up at the end of the season. He's not coming back here. Do we even care anymore? As far as the way that a move has, like, you know, a handout for your career, I think Anthony Stewart to Aberdeen is one of the worst in modern history. Yeah, I don't think it's far off it, yeah. Like, beloved centre-back, yeah. solid as a rock at Wickham, had been there for years, their fans loved him. How bad is League One of the Championship if he's rock solid? Comes to Aberdeen and his career has just gone off a fucking cliff. Jinky just wishes he signed in that extension at Wickham now. I imagine he wakes up every night in a cold sweat, <laughs> just wishing he hadn't picked up the phone to Jim Goodwin. Although you say that, right? I mean, he's still picking up a healthy wedge, one imagines. So for now, yeah, runs out in six months' time. Does, does. the clock is ticking? He'll be well rested for next season. <laughs> he's just he'll had... well, he'll be well rested for lining up for Blythe Spartans. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's had eighteen months of rest. <laughs> he'll be fucking ready to go. Anyway, and then Vicente Bajauin uh, Emin played just 38 minutes and was hooked as Emin were beaten by young PSV by three goals to nil. That is, of course, PSV's 
reserve team, basically. So everybody who was getting really excited about Vicente's performance last week maybe just needs to settle the fuck down. That's all I'm going to say on that one. Um, on the Quines, 4-0 defeat at home, uh, away, sorry, at Hearts on Sunday afternoon. Next up for them is a trip to the Balmoral. It's not a trip to the Balmoral. Is Dundee United as they visit the Balmoral next Sunday. I'm quite drunk already. I don't even think I'll make the Super Bowl tonight. Hey, there we go. Will that do us just now? Yes. Lex. Lexcellent. <laughs> I got mixed up between lovely stuff and excellent. And it will excellent. Lovely stuff. Join us after the break where we will look ahead to our double header with Mullow and Hibs this week. Looking for the best donuts in the northeast of Scotland? Look no further than Dough Co. Made fresh every day and topped right in front of you at their 40-seater cafe on Belmont Street in the heart of Aberdeen. They make the perfect gift or the perfect pre-match stop-off with a full selection of bagels and hot and cold drinks. If you're listening from home, why not place your order for one of their Dolan Co. stops? There are over 28 drop-off locations across the region delivering through the northeast on a weekly basis. Follow at Your Donut Shop across socials to stay up to date. Come on, you Reds. Welcome back to the show. Um, before we move on to talk about this week's double header with Motherwell and Hibs in the Scottish Premiership, just a quick reminder if you'd like to help keep us fueled in our beers and coffees, then please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash APZ football podcast. The, the beer, the coffees are absolutely much appreciated. So, gents, a two game week up ahead for the Dandy Dons as we host Motherwell on Wednesday night before Hibs travel north on Saturday for the season's. Dedicated AFC Community Trust Day. Uh, let's talk about Motherwell first, because that would be the logical thing to do. Uh, Wednesday night sees the Steelmen travel north for the first time this season. This one, of course, a rearranged fixture after the original game was called off between Christmas and New Year after the impact of Storm Gerrit, as I recall. The sides coming into this one locked on 25 points apiece. The Dons looking for a win that, well, possibly could have jumped us into the top six if it had not been for Dundee's late, late win against St. Johnston on Sunday afternoon. So the best we can do is leapfrog Hibs into seventh spot with a win on this one. The Dons, of course, running out 4-2 winners at Fir Park earlier in the season. The sides having faced each other 139 times at Pataudry in the league. Aberdeen with 68 wins, 45 draws and 26 defeats. 262 goals scored for the Dons, 155 Against Wells' recent record at Pataudry is actually pretty decent. They've won four out of the last six meetings between the sides here, but it was Aberdeen who won the last time they faced each other at Pataudry. A 3-1 win in February last year as Barry Robson secured his first win as AFC interim boss. I wonder what ever happened to him. Well, of course, then, coming into this one after defeating the Scottish Cup on Friday night at Green and Morton, that undermining what had been a bit of a Recent revival, having suffered only one defeat in eight. Prior to that, that won a home defeat to Rangers on Christmas Eve. In that run, though, five draws, just three wins. And those three wins did come against Livingston, Alloa and Ross County last midweek. So, you know, you've got to kind of put these things into context sometimes, don't you? Only one way, uh, only one win away from home in the league this season out of 11. Played six draws, although they have been pretty stuffy on the road. Only County, St. Johnson, and Livingston have worse away records in the Premiership. 32 goals scored in the league. That's the fourth highest in the table, which is kind of interesting. 24 from open play. That's the third highest in the league. 
That's coming up against an expected goals of 19.5. I think, though, this has had a significant boost after humping Derek Adams' Ross County by five last week. Um, set plays, five goals scored from an expected goals of 5.78, so they're doing all right on that metric. And only three penalties making up the balance. Top scorer is Theo Bear so far. He's kind of stepped up a little bit since the departure of Mika Bireth after his loan spell was cut short in January. Defensively, though, Motherwell struggling a little bit. 36 goals conceded. That's the same as ourselves. It's the joint fifth worst in the table of those 23 from open play against an expected goals against of 21.72. Nine from set plays against an XGA of 7.82. Three from penalties. Kettlewell favoring a kind of 3-4-2-1 set up with Bear in the number nine role, Spittle and Payton. Playing in behind, reasonably direct, third quickest team in the league getting the ball at the park. Reasonably happy as well to give up territory. Ask opponents to come up there mid table in terms of pressing a uh, PPD of 12.8 similar to us the match to convert a couple of high turnovers into goals as well those we do need to be mindful about being caught in possession at the back although as well no Neil Warnock doesn't like his defenders pissing around back there so I wouldn't expect to see too much in the way of heart attacks going on there oh, let's be honest it's a huge huge game huge midweek for us it feels as though if we've got any hope on securing a re- European spot via the league this season we need six points from six this week, and that has to start on Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> I concur. Lovely stuff. Um, I guess the key thing now is it's, it's that expectations now, isn't it, going ahead between now and the end of the season. We've touched on it a few times. The top three teams in the league, as it stands just now, we've played them now all three times this season, so we don't have any of them to play until uh, prior to the split. Massive run now towards the split to see if we can try and haul ourselves up in the top six uh expectations i guess from from you guys for wednesday night warwick's now had two games with us he'll have had you know in our few days on the training ground to kind of get a look at his players and decide what you know how he wants to approach it what are you kind of looking for on on wednesday night other than just the obvious three points but what would be a sign for you graham in particular you're probably the one who's the most dubious about the warwick appointment on the show here what would give you confidence that they've made the right call, Warwick, um, on Wednesday night? Well, three points would be a good start to that. <laughs> I, look, I you think we're building your Warwick yourself there. <laughs> <laughs> my my take on this is we are, you know, what middle of February. I think it's too far gone to be worried about what it looks like or a style or what are we trying to to do because I don't think anything that he does isn't necessarily representative of what we want to do as a club. And I don't mean that negatively against Warwick. I mean, he's in, he's in the firefight and to try and get us up the league. So what we see, say he does start to build a bit of momentum and we're playing in a certain way, I don't think that really means anything because he is interim. And as we've seen from the people that run the club, nobody has any idea what they actually want in terms of a method of playing or a consistent recruitment strategy. So I genuinely, I just think it's about results. And if he can find a way to get us playing where we're winning more often than we're losing and we start to push up the table, that's great. But I really don't think that means, you know, be sitting back um, at the end of the season, but, oh, you know, that's really good. That whatever he's been doing, you know, that's been working for the team. Great. That's what we're going to do in the summer. I just think it's the two are completely disconnected from each other. So honestly, three points and I'm really not fussed how he gets them. It's an interesting game for me because I think it'll be the first real sign of how we're going to line up under Neil Warnock. Uh, 
probably for the remainder of the season up until the split at the very least and how he's going to handle these games especially at home against these teams that we should quote unquote be be beating and to be help us claim up the league um when it comes to Motherwell I mean I think the blueprints there from the game at Fur Park early the season how to go about uh taking the game to them getting goals uh and coming away with the three points um but I think like Graham I, I tend to say that you know he's not got really he's not got any margin for error um as far as this run especially up to the split as I say goes um we need to get points on the board to lift us up the table and make us competitive uh to get into those European spots and he just needs to kind of you know we're in the same situation we were in last year where we just, he needs to find a formula that allows us to win games and I suspect he'll probably feel the same way that the way that he does it is kind of second to the results um so with that being said yeah I just want to see us get three points and like you say hopefully get on a run that can take us up the league table do you expect to see any kind of major changes then from what we saw at the weekend who would you expect maybe to come back in do you think we'll go with a similar sort of shape similar sort of system to what we had at the weekend I can imagine that Gartman will come back in for Angus McDonald um I can imagine McGrath will come back in perhaps for like maybe a shade and Morris. Uh, maybe Hayes comes back in for for Duke and then what you're talking about maybe maybe Connor Barron comes back in for Clarkson or Dante um but you know a lot of the kind of same changes we've seen over the course of the season uh nothing overly dramatic like I say the one position that I'm really curious to see how he plays it will be the goalkeeper yeah I would agree with that I think <clears throat> if he was you know if, if that was a statement or a kind of kick up the arse to roost that you know I will drop you you're not the number one it's not really a pretty strong statement if he's dropped for a what should be a relatively comfortable game at home versus being dropped for a league game. So I think that's the one that interests me the most. Um and I think uh, I think he'll keep with the I'll think I think he'll keep doing. I think Roos will be watching from the sidelines with his weapons all wrapped up on the bench. <laughs> Not euphemism. Um an interesting one as well though from a Motherwell perspective. They've they've been on a decent run in terms of not losing many games recently, but they've also not been winning a huge amount, which has bought Stuart Kettlewell a little bit of time because he was obviously under a huge amount of pressure, probably coming into the kind of Christmas break. Um, again, it's the kind of winter. They're not a team who are winning a lot of games. We touched on they've only won one game away from uh, for a part of the season. They were well beaten by Morton on Friday night. <clears throat> um, I thought Morton were very good. I thought Millwall were also very poor. Motherwell, though, as well, if they've got any aspirations to try and get top six, they kind of need the win as well. But do you expect Motherwell to come in here and try and kind of sit in and make it difficult and frustrate and just what we normally see from teams come to Audrey. So it's going to be a, one of those evenings, I think. I think Motherwell will do exactly that. And in the meantime, they'll get the balls into the channels up long to Theo Bear, who oh, I can't believe I'm about to do this. Um, Theo Bear's had a better season than I expected he would. Um, yeah. eight, eight goals is eight more than I expected for him. I was about um, to say the exact same thing. I can't believe I'm about to say uh, we might have to watch out for him because he was, I, I don't even know what word to use to describe mm -hmm. his inability to play football at St. John's. He was absolutely terrible. <laughs> but now it seems to have suddenly become less terrible. I'm not so much concerned about his ability to play football, but he is just, he's a big guy he's and he's got a little bit, he's got a little turn of pace about him. And I, I do worry about Garterman and Jensen. And even, you know, if he, yeah, it um, pulls onto the wing backs. 
I think your pace and power can be a weapon against them as well. So uh, we've got to watch out for that. But I mean, I just think we should have, again, this is that word, isn't it? We should have far too much quality for me in our midfield, especially for Motherwell to have any real meaningful um, say in this game. Uh, it just, it's just going to depend on how we approach it. And we should be, need to be positive, have more belief in ourselves and, you know, just control the midfield. And and feed Boyamioski, uh, and and I think that's what I'm very interested to see how Warnock, what he thinks is the best way to do that. If it's going to be more of the same, if it's going to be more Route One stuff, and maybe get someone like Danny Pawara closer to him to win second balls, or if we're going to be a little bit more, uh, a little more controlled, maybe a little bit more on the ground and build play up progressively. Either way, all that matters is the three points. As long as we get the three points by being fucking disciplined. Uh, predictions. Exactly that. Um, I I still think Kelrus will come in. I think Kelrus will be number one. Uh, uh, with that being said, I think it'll be two one to Aberdeen. I'm going to say three one to Aberdeen. Oh, love it! Graham is all positive now. I love it. Good stuff. Uh, Aberdeen three, Motherwell nil. The Warnock Revolution is well and truly on, and we're ready to just fucking get ourselves up that table. Anyway, let's move on from that one. Uh, let's quickly look at Saturday. Because Saturday sees the visit of Hibs to Pataudry for the second time this season. Now, before we get onto this one in a little bit more uh, detail, the game itself, it's important to note that Saturday is also uh, this season's nominated, nominated AFC Community Trust Day, celebrating 10 years of the trust and all the work that they do. Now, obviously, gents, we've kind of made no secret in the past, our admiration for the work the trust do in the local area. It's why they are generally always the beneficiaries of any kind of fundraising work that we do. Um, so we thought before we looked into the game itself in more detail, I thought it was good to just get a wee bit more of a chat about the trust itself. And I guess some of the events that you can look forward to at Pataudry on Saturday. So in, in order to do so, we sat down with Emma Stephen, well Kent face on Aberdeen FC socials and also a trustee at the Community Trust. Emma Stephen, welcome to the ABZ Football Podcast. How's things? Good, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you. Um, great to have you with us as we're going to focus in on next Saturday's game with Herbs at Pataudry, which has obviously been designated as being this season's AFC Community Trust Day. But before we get on to that, obviously, uh, can I call you a well-kent face on Don's Twitter and Instagram? Is that allowed? <laughs> I think so. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit just about your own kind of Don's fandom before we get into the kind of business end of this type of thing. So, Quick fire couple of questions. Your earliest Don's related memory? Um, my earliest memory would be probably in the Markland stand with one of my friend's dads and having juice boxes. And I think I have memories of Willie Miller and Alex McLeish warming up, which ages me slightly. That's sad. But um, yeah, I think that would be about my earliest memory. I can't remember anything about the game. I, I'm the worst stato ever basically <laughs> favorite player of all time ian jess undoubted oh, excellent a classic no no two ways about it that's no. an absolute legend absolutely and then favorite moment oh moment oh, oh well i went to the 95 cup final on a school trip which was amazing and thanks to Mr Gray for sorting that all out because it was it was just the best day ever and it was it was like hard work for him to be doing that let's be honest um who wants to be doing that yeah no no difficult so that was really good to remember remember that 
or I quite enjoyed uh, beating Rangers in the semi-final recently, a couple couple years ago. That was really good. Yeah, that's the one. And and I suppose winning the, I think you asked for one, didn't you? I've given you three already. Uh, that's the right. 20, <laughs> 2014 uh, Cup win was really good as well. I enjoyed that. Yeah, so. very, very special moment. We're going to kind of come yeah. on and talk about that a little bit later on, hopefully in the show, because it's, it's obviously 10 years now to the year, which is fucking terrifying, but never mind. There we go. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the Community Trust. Uh, hmm. So you joined the Community Trust as a trustee back in, what was it, November 2020, I think it was? 2020, yep, 2020. So, uh, what was it in particular about the trust that kind of made you want to sign up and um, add that onto your already busy lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it was um, it was actually Rob Wicks that reached out to me to see if I wanted to um, get involved with the trust. Um, he'd, I think, seen me gibbering garbage on Twitter and... Um, maybe thought that I had a maybe different perspective to on some bits and bobs. And um, so he just invited, well, just asked me if I'd like to be involved. And um, I was just super excited to be asked. And it was an absolute honour because kind of combining um, things that I'm quite passionate about, um, the football club, um, you know, Aberdeen, itself and the people of Aberdeen um I've always kind of had a bit of an interest in sorry an interest in charity um things I've done bits and bobs for for charity through work before so it was and just an opportunity to see a kind of another business um well not a business uh, but another organization and how it works um was also a really interesting opportunity for me as well so before coming to the the community trust day itself it's probably important i think just to kind of highlight i guess some of the amazing work that goes on by the trust mm-hmm. in so many different areas across the city and and the shire obviously yeah that's right it it kind of operates um throughout Aberdeen and the shire um i'm not sure a lot of people kind of know the actual reach of of the trust they're working in 27 schools at the moment so it's um 17 primaries and 10 secondaries and they 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 have both um staff and volunteers that are going in and running programs um to help the schools in, in kind of different areas um and how it kind of works is that the the trust employees or volunteers go in with you know their tracksuit and their badge on and it's such a draw for the children um it increases attendance by sort of measurable numbers the the kids want to go in and um or I'm not sure we're allowed to say kids the young people go in and they want to kind of um work with these kind of young cool people and at the same time they're just learning so much more and um it's it's really I've met lots of the the staff and volunteers and they're just really positive fabulous people doing really hard work in kind of some quite difficult um circumstances and it's it's just awesome so that's you know there's there's the two aspects there's the kind of education side of things and then there's obviously the more um the football uh, health and well-being and the yeah. the trust kind of wanting to to just give something back to to the you know a full range of of people from you know young young children to um you know dementia patients and um uh you know people suffering with kind of mental health in their in their middle years as well so there's yeah, it's, it's a really, really broad um, 
spectrum of, of things that the trust do. Yeah, and I guess it's one of those parts, isn't it, that the, the impact of the, the work that the trust do across the whole region kind of can't be and, and shouldn't be understated. I mean, you, um, I'd encourage anyone who's listened to it tonight to go and have a look at the kind of 2022-23 impact report. You know, you kind of yeah. just touched on it a bit there as well. Um, I just in terms of, I think, you know, in that year, there was like, you know, just under 10,000 participants across the region yeah. there. You touched about, you know, the, the, the school outreach that goes on, you know, even just basic provisions to an extent, you know, the provision of hot meals and access yeah. to kind of support from multiple organizations and agencies, yeah. you know, for people who are kind of, you know, um, struggling with the kind of cost of living crisis and stuff like that as mm-hmm. well. And that's before you even get onto you just what you touched on there, like the kind of memories groups for those affected yeah. by dementia and stuff. Well, that that community hub that you brought up is, um, that's just been an absolutely fantastic um, project. It was kind of started, I believe, by the SFA originally, um, the SFA Trust. I think might be getting that wrong but I think it was them that started up with a sort of defined period and then the trust have had um sort of corporate sponsors to come in to help keep that going um, it was kind of started in some ways as a sort of warm space with the sort of energy cost crisis but it's grown to um arms and legs in a way in that it's providing sort of access for all sorts of assistance to people um warm food and quite often like I think goodie bags and things for people to take away and it's been really really well received um so it's it's ace really good no absolutely and again it's one of these as well I mean you touched on it there's obviously a mix within the community trust of kind of staff and volunteers and so on and so forth who are are part of that there and there's a huge amount of credit has to go to the the folks who work within the trust on a day-to-day basis just for the work that they that they do deliver mm-hmm. oh absolutely i mean it's uh you know there's people putting in you know over and above what they what they need to and um the results are kind of they kind of speak for themselves it's it's awesome it really is it's, it's an unreal amount of good work that, that gets done there um so again and, and it's part of the reason why you know um our show whenever we do kind of fundraising raffles or anything we can do to make a bit of money um from a fundraising perspective generally speaking we'll always put something towards the community trust yeah it's, it's really part. well appreciated and um you know even you know uh, not everybody can um not everybody can afford to you know donate or or these sorts of things but you know spreading the word of what the trust does is, is an equally important um part to play Absolutely. So let's look at Saturday then. Um, mm-hmm. As we said, the Hibs game has been designated as being this year's, this season's Community Trust Day. Um, I think last year it was the yeah. Motherwell game, wasn't it, from from recollection? Um, big year as well for the Trust, obviously celebrating its 10-year anniversary this year. Yes. Um, uh, what can fans kind of expect on, on Saturday? And, and I guess the question is, what can the Red Army do to kind of help maximise the impact of some of those events? Yeah, well, there's loads of things that are planned. Um, in terms of you know what that the actual the the fans can do themselves. There's going to be um uh I never like to say the word tifo. I don't know why I'm displaying <laughs> tifo just sounds like I don't know. I can't say tifo. Anyway, there's gonna be a display at the um, bottom of the Richard Donald stand. Um, so if everybody um I presume it'll be the normal one where you you hold up whatever you've got to hold up as the teams come out. Um, so. That'd be good. Um, there's going to be a band, um, the school's band playing in the um, family area now, so the, the upper Richard Donald before the game. So that'd be that'd be really nice. Um, the fans themselves, there's going to be, we did this last year and we're doing it again. So there's the Sea Fine um, food collection. Um, 
uh, at the outside underneath, not underneath, I think outside in front of the Richard Donald uh, stand. So um, Seafine uh, kind of working with us there um, and, you know, for fans to bring in, you know, just one thing if they can, you know, soups or toiletries, you know, the usual sort of dry goods that are uh, ideal for for food um, banks. So that would be really good if people could do that. Um, then obviously there'll be a can collection. So bring along some pennies. I know that a lot of people, I know myself, I keep walking into like the main stand and I, know, I never have any change anymore yeah. and the people are holding their buckets. I'm like, oh no, must remember, bring a pound. So that's, the, that's something you need to do. Um, and there will be sort of stands um, for people finding out a bit more information about some of the programmes. Um, the programme will feature a competition winner for the Trust. Um, and I think there'll be some other bits and bobs for people to, to look out for. Um, I believe there's a kind of day out um, for some of the, the participants, um, you know, the, the regular participants of the, the Trust activities as well at um, the Sports Village. And they'll... I think they'll know about that one already. So there'll be lots of fun for those, um, the people that that the actual trusts working uh, for and with. So that'll be something for for those people. So that's great as well. Yeah, no, it's a big Don's Day Out section as well. I think yeah. on, on the Saturday because certainly my wee boys football team are, are coming along to as well. Oh, okay. They'll be up in the upper deck door. I think they're actually doing the sports village piece as well. So anyone out there who's got kids who are coming along as part of the Don's Day Out as well, good point by them. Mm-hmm. Make sure that they've got their pocket money in their pooch so they can <laughs> yeah. slap that. No into sweets. A, a no can. sweets this week. Then. No sweets Only... this week. It's getting put into a can and donated yep. to, to the community trust. So it's going to be great. I mean, obviously last year was a big year because I think the club, the the, the first team had the slightly different strips they wore on the, yes. the game against Motherwell. I don't think there's any kind of similar idea this year, but um I've not heard of any well different strips. Of that, which was pretty cool. So yeah. always a good day. Um and it's good just to see the community trust kind of put to the front and the front and foremost of everybody's minds on on match day as well. And I fingers crossed the um the first team can can get a win as well at the same time. Yeah. That, would be, that would be lovely. Well they have to. There's no I'm not accepting anything less. They, they have to win. Quite right. There <laughs> we go. That's it mandated from one of the trustees. That's yeah. officially it. That's what has to happen. Hope Neil yep. Warnock's listening. Yeah. Hello, Neil. <laughs> right. Emma, I'll let you go now because it's. Okay. It, we won't tell anybody what time it is we're actually recording this at. But it's no. later than either of us really want to be doing this until. Yes. So no, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, no, but thanks thanks for uh, spreading a good word about the trust. That's that's very much appreciated and uh i'm sure everyone loves the work of your podcast as well so good effort not sure about that but never mind thanks again for joining us <laughs> thank you stand free See you later bye-bye so there we go guys i guess just to re-emphasize that um for people who are coming to Pitodry at the weekend if you can please make sure you kind of take coins and pennies along next week to pop into any of the collection cans and points that are going to be there to help raise money for the trust i know if you're probably like me you very rarely carry you know coins and cash these days but if you can please uh, please do so and then also if you're able to as well please you know bring along any of the kind of recommended items to the sea fine food donation point which is going to be located next to the sir alex ferguson statue outside the, the richard doll stand yep 100 um i think i've said before that you know in scottish football especially the the way that the clubs are almost kind of made to be focal points of the community and the good that can be done through through football is is invaluable and the work that the Aberdeen FC Community Trust do is is nothing short of incredible. Uh, they deserve all the plaudits for for the work they do. 
And yeah, just re-emphasize what you just seen there. Just, you know, bring a little bit of spare change. If you've got a little bit after the pub and yeah, maybe just bring along a little bit for donation to the Sea Fine Food Donation so you can help out some people that are, are very much in need right now. Yes, I would agree with all that. It's all well and good. The three of us sitting here pumping our gums about the state of the men's team, but there's obviously everything that the club does and the sort of wider community in the the city that we're all from. So I think for those who can, yeah, a couple of quid here and there and uh, anything that can be donated, you know, it's a sad state of affairs that it's required, but it is required. Uh, so anything anyone can do, um, you know, makes a big difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think there'll be more details shared during the week about the kind of items that the, the Seafine Food Donation Point will be able to accept. It's your kind of very typical kind of food bank uh, resources, so covered foods, you know, tin goods, um, products like that. And and I think there'll also be requirements there for store products, et cetera, et cetera, that you'd look for kids and stuff like nappies and all that kind of good stuff. So have a check on the Seafine on, on the website. Um, should there be more details about it as the week goes on about what they can and can't accept. So please, like I say, if you can, um, please take something like Tawdry on. Saturday and, and pop that into the collection point would be much appreciated I'm sure from from everybody's perspective on to the game itself uh, as we mentioned in the Motherwell preview critical that we pick up six points this week so the game against Hibs is, is huge as well notwithstanding you know obviously at this point we don't know quite what's going to happen on Wednesday night but Hibs with two wins with two against us this season so far both by two goals to nil ironically we actually put in a pretty decent performance at Easter Road when we were beating two nil by them the Dons, though, of course, with a 1-0 win in the League Cup semi-final at hand. And Hibs progressing into the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup on Saturday as well. They had a 3-1 win at Inverness. They do have the week off, so you would think they'll come at this one a little bit fresher than we perhaps will. No wins in the league, though, for Hibs since the 9th of December. Three wins from 11 away games as well to date this season. 29 scored in 24 games. That's pretty much midpoint. 39 conceded, though in the league that's the second worst in the division so perhaps no surprises that Nick Montgomery tried to shore up that area considerably in the window by relying on their new big brothers at Bournemouth in the league at Pitodre the sides have faced each other 144 times Aberdeen with 78 wins 29 draws 37 wins for the wayside it seems like a very low number doesn't it when you think how historically Hibs have been ranked in the in Scottish football in terms truth be told I'm running out of energy to go into more uh, detail on this one Johan's their top goal scorer in the league so far with four Dylan Vente next up on three uh, Montgomery was favouring a very traditional 4-4-2 earlier on in his spell but he shifted to a 4-1-4 running at Celtic last time that seemed to spark a little bit of something from them but at the same time they were absolutely honking against St Mirren in a 3-0 defeat last weekend Montgomery's under pressure as well at the moment uh, it would be a nice change wouldn't it for Aberdeen to be the ones to turn the heat up on somebody else uh, as I've just touched on depending on our result on Wednesday night a win for us could see us open up a five point lead over Hibs with a win in this one um, a win will take us above the Easter Road side no matter what it is of course the master meets the apprentice in Warnock versus Montgomery <laughs> again similar to the middle game huge one for us if we're going to have any uh, ambitions at all to get into the top six and then try and fight for a European spot via the league this season. What are you kind of expecting to see again from us on, on Saturday? And I guess more importantly, what do we expect from Hibs? Oil to dive. <laughs> <laughs> and Warnock to be physically restrained on the sidelines. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah, that's not a prediction. That's a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, 
um, truthfully, I'm actually kind of nervous about this game. That's what you get for a fucking boil that. That's what you get for a fucking boil that. <laughs> truthfully, I'm kind of nervous about this game just because of the way that games against Hibs have gone for the last 12 months. I mean, even... Jesus, it's the a game that we fears, is it? It is, but even the cup semi-final, I mean, let's be fair, we kind of dodged a bullet with that one. Um, you know, lucky in a way to come away with the win. I think back to, you know, obviously the 6-0 drubbing at Easter Road and then at Pataudry later on the season, maybe the much maligned Caldus' finest day as an Aberdeen goalkeeper. Um, saves the Nisbet penalty, even though he dived the wrong way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Hibs dominated that day and Pataudry earlier this season, you know, they were the better team. Um, you're probably right, we probably were the better side at Easter Road earlier this season, but they still came away with the three points and, you know, Miofsky has a rare day off. Um, yeah, but it seems like Hibs have got a got a way of playing against us that we find difficult and it's mainly relying on those wingers uh, getting down the lines and challenging our, well, I guess our back three. So I guess it'll be interesting to see how we go up against that one now with a back four, assuming that's the way they were going to play it. Uh, Yuan, you know, may not have the end product, but he seems to give our defenders a hard time anytime we come up against him. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm genuinely actually kind of nervous with this one, uh, even though they're in pretty poor state of affairs. Um, you know, you heard the knives are out for Nick Montgomery after the Simmons game, especially. So it would be nice to just you know put a little bit more pressure on him. But that's kind of not the Aberdeen way. Uh, uh, when you need a win, when you need a result. Aberdeen's the team you come up against. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. I feel very similar, mainly because uh, we've not played particular, we've not had the necessarily the results against them. We were fortunate in the semi-final, and there is that feeling of yeah, team in rank form needs a victory. Scrolls to the fixture list. We're off to Pataudry. That's fine. Uh, so yeah, I think it's two big games for yeah, it's two big games for both teams. I mean, you think you know Warwick there's not really any pressure built yet because I think everyone's accepting that you know, it's a bit of a disaster of a season all round. And at this point, that's not down to him. But clearly, it's different for uh, Hibbs manager. I think he definitely is under pressure. So, uh, you know, and that whole victory is just going to pile it on for him, but. I don't know. I know what you mean. I feel like their their wide players aren't necessarily the best, but the fact that they're quite fast and they're quite strong seems to be enough to just cause total chaos in our backline. And that actually means you know they don't have to be delivering pinpoint crosses because we just seem to be at sixes and sevens anytime we're attacked in that way. So that that does give me cause for concern. But I'm hoping uh, I went against Motherwell start to build a bit of confidence momentum and that your man Neil comes up with a plan to defeat Hibs. The thing about the Hibs wingers, and especially you are especially, is that yeah, he can move at pace and he can also change direction. And you saw like he just took the piss out of, you know, Rubazic at Patodra when we played uh, with Rubazic on the sort of um, right side of the back three. So hopefully having, you know, the wing backs up against him and Devlin McKenzie can move with a bit more speed that can counteract that. But, um, and yeah, I guess you like, what do you say there? You as a top goal scorer with four goals. So they've also yeah. not got a, a, a deadly goal scorer or such. Um, so yeah, hopefully just a, a complete role reversal of the performance we saw at, um, at Hamden and we can come away with three points, but yeah, once again, very nervous. 
they, they are interesting because it is the wide players who you generally think about as being the big threats um, for Hibs. But like Boyle's not had, I and mean, he scored yesterday, and here I'm about to put the kiss of death and everything, but he's not had a particularly great season so far in, in front of goal. He's not had a great time of it really since he came back from Saudi Arabia. No, he's not. Um, his hair, by the way, is looking worse. I mean, I saw a clip of the Inverness game yesterday. It is appallingly <laughs> bad. Like, just have some self-respect, man. Like, seriously. Like, what is going on there? Um, Johan, you're right. He's very un- unpredictable. One week he can look like Prime Messi and the next week he looks like Prime, well, me at fives. Um, so it's going to be an interesting game. Dylan Vente is a guy who's not, you know, maybe lived up to the, the transfer fee that they paid. I mean, they paid a lot of cash. It was nearly... 850, 900,000, I think it was. A club record transfer, I think we were all told at the time. It's not really, you know, for the return, I mean, three goals in the league is, you know, <clears throat> compare that to... Pretty awful full stop, never mind that that sort of a transfer fee. Theo Bear has got, got over twice as much. <laughs> exactly. So there we go. Um, so that said, Martin Boyle and Dylan Venti with a, <laughs> <laughs> a brace of peace next week. <laughs> um... But yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how Montgomery lines up against his old boss as well. Uh, predictions for next week. It's hard to really look at it in a lot more detail when you don't know what's going to happen on Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, but time constraints mean we can't do another episode between now and then. So, I mean, for me, fingers crossed we come away with a good victory against Motherwell at, uh, at Batodre on, on Wednesday. We go into the game with a renewed sense of confidence and we can bring that into the game. Against uh, oh, what's Gary looking at? Just, just Gazer's fucked up our coupon again. Oh, for fuck's sake! What's he? Are Barca getting beat? Yeah, they yes. Are. <laughs> He's a fucking moron. Who would pick? Who would pick Barcelona? Oh no, it's two two right now. now. It's two two. Is it two two? Oh, they yeah. scored like literally yeah, a minute piece then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! How long well, I will say. In defence of him, the only reason we're doing this is... Uh, oh, why is that, Gavin? Oh, yeah, because you fucked it up yesterday. Yeah, with a, with a pick you'd made so bo- so <laughs> bullishly on Wednesday. Wednesday. That was an absolute <laughs> slam mid-week. dunk. That is not my fault, okay? It's only a slam Lev- dunk when it goes through the net. Lewandowski's <laughs> scored. Okay, well, still time, oh, still time. Sorry, um, interrupted you there. Oh, sorry, where was I? Um, yeah, hopefully we come into this game with the uh, hips with... The new sense of confidence, and we can just put the pressure on them. Um, I think it's still a pretty uh, a weak centered, soft centered hip side, and who just don't really seem to stand up to pressure all that well. And with a striker as good as Boyamiovsky, I think we can. I think we can do this, and Warnock will prove why he is the master. So I'm going to say two 0 to Aberdeen. Graham, I'm going to say two one Aberdeen. There we go. I'm going to say 2 0. It'll be two wins from two, two clean sheets in a row. Don's are back, baby. And then Neil will be doing his slow mo. I mean, it looks like he's, you know, rolling the bingo, the bingo thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the bingo wheel. Mm. The tombola. The tombola. <laughs> he's just found it under Jimmy's seat. That's what you do. Is he's just and has repurposed it for its original purpose. I reckon, <laughs> I, I reckon that. You know, because Neil said he wants to just do, you know, January to May gigs these days. So maybe from August through to December. He is bingo calling in the local halls down Devon Way. Who knows? I he says that now, but honestly, when we're lifting the Scottish Cup in May, he's going to want to have a think about those words. Can we just stop just for a brief moment? 
just because uh, I've only just thought about it now, but the sheer hilarity and prospect of us winning the Scottish Cup in May and by doing so denying hearts the group stage is guaranteed to view it would be like it would be amazing just to win the Scottish Cup. But as a side product, that would be pretty funny, wouldn't it? If they've like, you know, they're already creamed themselves by how they've got thirds sewn up. That would be a pretty funny way just uh, to in this hypothetical universe that you've just invented where yeah. we are not eliminated from the Scottish Cup by Derek McInnes's Kilmarnock and yeah. the headlines are already written for what we should do in the summer. That would be quite funny. <laughs> right. Anyway, there we go. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of the ABC Ethical Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you do on your podcast player of choice. Join us next time out for episode 157, where we'll pretend to bring you a review about the Motherwell game, but it'll be so far gone at that point, there's no danger we'll do it. We'll talk about the Hibs game. We'll preview, I think we play Kilmarnock the following Saturday, and then we play St. Johnston um, at home as well. So a real humdinger of a week coming up. Kilmarnock at Rugby Park, yeah. Kilmarnock at Rugby Park, and then St. Johnston at Petondry. Went well earlier this season, so what could possibly go wrong? Indeed, absolutely. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Stamfrey. Boom shakalaka. There you go, Gav's that tight. Another 3-2 up. Yep. Are they? (laughs) This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!